Leaves for Hughes at the line. Hughes darting into the high slot. Now around Zetterlin on the left wing towards the goal. He scores! Quinn Hughes snipes it off the post and in from off the left wing. And the Canucks take a 1-0 lead. It's a good win going into Colorado too because I saw that they lost and they're going to be ready to go. And it's going to be a really good challenge for us. 7.02 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today, we are in hour two of the program. Hour two is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at Kintec.net. Open segment here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, We want to get right back into previewing tonight's game because it is a big one. This is a marquee night for the NHL. After deciding to take Tuesday off entirely, the NHL comes back with 14 games on the ledger tonight. Now, And then I, they're going to be so tired after that that they're taking tomorrow off. Shut it down. Just shut it down, NHL. No games Thursday. Of course, that's American Thanksgiving. And then like 15 games Friday. Right. Remember that used to be a thing when we were at NBC. It was like the Black Friday. NHL really leaned yeah. into it, right? Well, they, well they're still doing it. Yeah. Well, yeah. they're doing it in a big way. To, mm-hmm. So they have 30 of 32 teams in action on Friday. Uh, earlier... Uh, I misspoke. I was reading off some notes, and I, I meant to say Stanley Cup playoff rematches tonight. Oh, I said okay. Stanley Cup rematches okay. tonight. So anyway, okay. you get Boston, Florida in a good one, and the, the Western Conference, all the good teams are playing each other because you mm-hmm. get Dallas and Vegas. That is a playoff rematch. And then the number two team in the Western Conference, your Vancouver Canucks taking on the number five team in the 2022 Stanley Cup winners, the Colorado Avalanche. Rick Tockett has really leaned into this being a big test for his group, and mm-hmm. rightly so. Uh, this is a Colorado team that has a championship. Uh, it's going to be in Colorado. You, The storylines for McCarr and Hughes are written like, have you looked at Kale McCarr's numbers this year? They're right on par with Hughes. Defenseman leading the team in scoring. Uh, up there, flirting with thirty points. I think he, I think Makar is on twenty seven. So I'm I'm very curious to obviously see how the Canucks play tonight, but I'm equally curious to see this Avs team because I don't know enough about this Avs team really, and I I just want to get a real good look at them. Um, do we see this as a measuring stick game for the Canucks? Yes, it's going to be a big test, um, and we all know that the Avs are. They're set up for years of contending with McCarr, McKinnon, and Rantanen. But there's a lot of questions about this Colorado team going forward. How much harder is it going to be without McKinnon on that bargain contract? How much do they miss their captain in Landeskog, mm-hmm. who's who missed all of last season? He's dealing with a knee injury. Um, his last game was Game Six of the Stanley Cup Final when they won it. There's that a very the last time he played. There's a very real chance that Landeskog doesn't play again. Just so we're clear. Yeah. yeah. Well, it doesn't sound very good uh, about the injury to Arturi Lekkinen. And then when you add in Nazem Kadri, that's three key players from that Cup-winning team that they're without. Mm-hmm. Now we mentioned this a little bit with Jeff Merrick, but. Um, the Avs' second line tonight could be could be 
Ryan Johansson between Jonathan Drouin and Thomas Tatar. Right. Like, that, to me, that's that. <laughs> like, the, listen, all three of those players have had their moments in the NHL. Uh, well, Jonathan Drouin, I don't know if he's ever had like a, you know, like, listen, he was a highly touted player. Thomas Tatar had some decent seasons. He's bounced around the NHL. And Ryan Johansson, like, the, he, the, the Preds didn't want him anymore. Mm-hmm. So he's with, he's with Colorado now. And, He's supposed to be their 2C. And I think he scored six goals, but he only has like one assist. It's some, some weird weird stat line for a center. But like, is that is that good enough? No. Uh, th- this was the embodiment of a picking off the scrap heap second line. These are all replacement players that were acquired within the last, what, six, eight, ten months. Yeah. And that's what happens to good teams in the salary cap area in a hard cap. The, what's, what Colorado's going through right now is not unlike what Tampa Bay has had to go through and countless other teams before them. Good teams get punished in a hard cap league. You don't think that Colorado wanted to keep JT Comfer after he had a terrific year last year? Of course they wanted to keep him. He came in and quite admirably gave them two C minutes. Mm-hmm. The problem was Comfer went to market because he was going to be able to make more money in any other place than Colorado. Go back to those cup, that cup-winning team. They are now without Landeskog, their captain, Kadri, who you could have made the case in that year was the best second-line center in the NHL. The starting goalie, Darcy Kemper, say what you will, he won them a cup, and he's not there anymore. They lost Andre Burakovsky. They lost JT Comfer, and now you mentioned they're without Arturi Lekkonen, who's injured. Those are major hits for any team. But for one that I almost feel, and I'm going to ask Connor McGahee about this when we talk to him, What's the frustration level like that for a team that looked like it was built for long-term sustained success, Mm -hmm. it's been a real struggle for them since they won the Stanley Cup. And I know it was only uh, a year and a half ago, but last year was a real grind for them, a real slog, and they were bounced out of the first round of the playoffs. And you look at this year, and it has been a very tumultuous season for a team that, standings-wise, looks like it's doing okay. But they've suffered some really bad losses this year. Laddie, we need some uh, goalie analysis here. What do we think about the Avs goalies? Well, I'm okay with Georgiev. I think he's in a bit of a tough situation. I don't know how the defensive side has been for the Avs this year, but I feel like being thrown in with all those expectations is tough for any goalie. It's his first starting gig in the Mm -hmm. NHL. So he's got the numbers to back it up throughout the length of his career. Maybe not this season, but I... I think he's perfectly a uh, capable goaltender that you can win with, especially with the group that Colorado has. Well, the who, thing, who's, who's their backup there? Kosvetov. Like, okay, so their combined cap hit is just over $4 million for their goalies. Well, and they can't really play. What is it? How do you pronounce it again? Say it again. Kosvetov. Yeah, thank you. They can't really play him. He's very untested at the NHL right. level. So Georgiev has this massive workload right now. He's already appeared in 15 games. I mean, we're, we're barely at American Thanksgiving. We're not even there. It's, we're on the eve of American Thanksgiving, and the guys played a ton. And they have to keep rolling them out because they're not necessarily in a position where they can throw games to a backup who doesn't have a large body of work at the NHL level. And this is another situation that we were talking about when a good team gets whittled away. Francois was supposed to be the guy, but Francois is now hurt. He gave them capable net minding every time he came in as a backup. I mean, mm-hmm. he was he played a lot during their Stanley Cup run. He's a guy that maybe you don't count on him to be a one A, but he's a proven trusty backup. But and now they don't have that. Just think of the challenges of going from McKinnon's cap hit, which was six point three million dollars, to his cap hit now, which is 
pretty much double that. It's, yeah. It is double that. Well, you took Grubauer's money. Twelve, yeah, right. Six that, million that's why dollars. They can keep Grubauer, yeah. And you lose Landeskog. Mm-hmm. Well, it's t- look. What's going on right now is a combination of two factors. Um, one is the inevitability of injury, which can hit any any NHL team at any time. Right? We as Vancouver Canucks fans are. One bad injury away from having one of our favorite players. I'm not going to name names because I don't want to jinx it, but that's the reality <laughs> of being in the NHL. The other part of it is that they have this very, very profound and important injury while going through what a lot of Stanley Cup winning teams go through. Mm-hmm. Stanley Cup winning teams generally have a lot of good players. That's a fair assessment. Of course, yeah. And a lot of good players means you're going to need to pay them. And sometimes that means signing them to bring them aboard. And sometimes that means carving out some money to keep them, mm-hmm. which is what they had to do with McKinnon. Now, having to pay McKinnon double what you were paying him before, going from $6 million well, to $12 million. Chushkin, too. Right? Had to give him a huge raise. Then you have to start saying, well, who are we going to lose in this process? And the answers are, you know, Philip Grubauer, Nazem Kadri, JT Comfer, Andre Burakovsky, guys that you want to keep, but you can't because you can't fit them under the salary cap ceiling. And it's, I mean... I don't, my, my heart does not bleed for Colorado or anything. Like, they had some good times. Yeah. That, the year they won the cup, they looked like as dominant a cup winning team as we've seen in the last little while. They Do you blew, remember early on in that playoff run, it was like they're winning the cup. They blew the doors off everybody. <laughs> yeah. They looked like they were bigger, stronger, and faster than everybody, right? Mm-hmm. It was like yesterday when I was talking about Tyreek Hill outrunning NFL defenders. Like, you understand these guys got to the NFL because they're elite athletes. And then there's Tyreek Hill who's faster than all of them. That's what the Avs look like that one year. Uh, we got a question from Mike. Uh, how much does Susie being out hurt the Canucks lineup? We talked about this a little bit yesterday, and I think it hurts it fairly significantly. Carson Susie, even if you wouldn't say he's a top four defenseman, what he was doing on a third pair role or third pair minutes, he was doing his job. You know, like he slotted in there, Perfectly. Yep. He was able to provide some physicality in his own end. He was a good penalty killer. You take him out of the lineup, and all of a sudden things get really shaken up because you're already playing Quinn Hughes and Philip Peronic a lot. You could even argue too much. Uh, then you've got to bump someone into the lineup. Mm-hmm. whether that's going to be someone like Akito Hirose or Noah Juleson. Uh, then there's more work for Tyler Myers. Remember when Tyler Myers started playing better? It was because he was getting less minutes, Yeah, right? You, you, just, you don't have to put him out there so much, and you put him in situations where he can be successful. What happens when you lose a guy like Carson Soucy, and God forbid they lose one of their top two defensemen, like that would throw everything into arrears, but it's going to be a challenge. Mm-hmm. And Rick Tocken was saying yesterday, he's like, listen, we just, like, if the puck's on our stick, it's just got to get out. And uh, I'm going to be very curious to see that. Like, he does not want the defenseman to be messing around with the puck on their stick because when that happens, the other team gets into position, has time to forecheck, and that creates problems. He wants that north-south game. Mm-hmm. I actually remember at the beginning of the season, I actually kind of want to uh, admit this. I remember but actually before the season started, when we were talking a lot about how the Canucks would play like low-event hockey, I was like, I wonder if you're going to see a lot of like D-man to D-man passes just to slow the game down. Yeah. And slow the game down and make sure that, you know, nothing like you don't throw any pizzas away or you don't throw a pass that you're not ready. Just keep control of the puck. Um, 
But that's 1,000% what Rick Tockett does not want. No. Because he doesn't want them to go back and forth and do too many regroups where you're going to get in a position of like you're going to hold on to the puck. And it's kind of like a quarterback looking up the ice or looking up the field and going, everyone's covered. Mm-hmm. What do I do with now it what? right now? Now what? Right? Yeah. Like, so what he wants is even if it has to be glassing out, just get it out. And I think this is going to be a game where if you want to watch something, watch how the Canucks move the puck. Mm-hmm. Watch how the forwards help out the defensemen. Because when a team like Colorado gets going, and if they have their legs, and I think they're going to have their legs tonight, they're going to have their angry legs after the way their last game ended. I think they're going to be, they're going to try and be all over the Canucks. Like, what would the scouting report for you, if you were the coach of the Avs and you're looking at the Canucks defense and you're mm-hmm. looking at their lineup, what's the scouting report? Like, like get on those guys right away. Don't let Quinn Hughes do anything. Ever. Yeah. Don't, well, let him, don't let him near the pack. Absolutely for Quinn Hughes, but on the other side, when the other guys are out there, you're like, take advantage when Hughes and Heronic are not on the ice and pressure, 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 oh, pressure. Yeah, expose the other D-lines for sure. So on the subject of the Colorado Avalanche, Matt in Ladner sends a text question into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Uh, is it just me, Matt wants to know, or are the Avs, despite all that you mentioned, still better than the Vancouver Canucks? They still scare me. Matt, I suggest you take a deeper look at exactly what the Colorado Avalanche have as compared to what I think we all assume that they have. They are a very, very top-heavy group. They are loaded on that first line. Uh, I think they've I think they've got some decent depth players too. Such as? Well, they added guys like Miles Wood and Ross Colton. Like those guys are good players, man. And if you have them in your bottom six, they're good players. I think the Abs are. I think the Abs are a better I, team than the Canucks for sure. Like one thousand percent, the Abs are. I like, okay. Uh, okay, put, listen, listen, listen. I push I th- back on that. In a big I think way. the Abs are going to blow them out of the uh, out of the water tonight. Wow. Okay. So I hope, I hope I'm wrong. One? I hope I'm wrong. I think the Abs. <laughs> I think the abs are going to smoke Vancouver tonight. Let's do a thought. Okay. Let's do a thought. Exercise. Save that for tomorrow. Let's do a thought. That's fine. That's fine. I hope I'm wrong on that, but I think they're going to beat them handily. Uh, let, let's I do think a, they're going to dominate. Them. Let's do a thought exercise on this, shall we? Um, right now, who would you take if you were to have to choose your first line center? Would you have Nathan McKinnon or Elias Pettersson? Nathan McKinnon. McKinnon. Okay. If you were to take. Uh, the best, the better of the two, two C's on each team. Would you have JT Miller or Ryan Johansson? Oh, JT Miller. Miller. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if you're going to take your top defensive pair, this is an interesting one. Would you take Devon Taze and Kale McCarr or would you take Philip Heronic and Quinn Hughes? Taze and McCarr. Yeah, probably. Although mm. that's close. Ladrick? Taze McCarr. Okay. Yeah. And then if you were to take a starting net miner, would you have Thatcher Demko or Alexander Georgiev? I would take uh, Demko. Uh, Is that a pro- real question? <laughs> <laughs> so He's due. So, I mean, I, the, the instructive part of this is that the two teams actually match up fairly closely in terms of, what did I just say, top-end, high-end, elite talent. Yeah. I would not be surprised if a game like this actually gets decided by the pieces below. Second-line play, third-line play. And maybe, unfortunately for Canucks, <laughs> the bottom two defensive pairings. Because, it, you know, it could come down to, like, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it might be one of those games that's decided by one of those flashpoint moments where, oh, no, right. the bottom pair is stuck out. Or, oh, mm-hmm. no, the fourth line's pinned in for either team. I just though. don't think the Canucks are trending that well right now. 
I don't think Colorado's trending that well right now. Mm-hmm. If we're being honest, did it's, you see their last game by any chance? Yeah, like I mean, that was a. So we'll talk to Connor about this coming well, if up. Not for the last thirty-eight seconds, they would have won it. They didn't play great prior <laughs> to that. Dominated being for fifty-nine honest, minutes. So they did not play great. And I want to ask uh, Connor a variety of things, but one about Bo and Byram because it has not been a banner campaign for him. He's playing on a pairing with Josh Manson, which on paper. Sounds great. Mm-hmm. You're like, wow, talk about a great second pair. Manson's a steady physical defenseman. Bowen Byram's this really high-end offensive guy. You would think that it would click because Bowen, will be the, Bowen Byram will be the guy that can get forward and do things offensively and be yeah, kinetic yeah. and be I think he's. I think he's more than that. When he's on his game, he's like a, he's like a physical player, too. He's like, do, you remember, do you remember when he, when he got into the lineup? In the Stanley Cup final, how yeah. good he was! Yeah, he, he was he, unbelievable. He's a very like, oh dynamic. He's a very dynamic defenseman. Yeah, it's just not showing on a nightly basis for him. Like the like the offense production is way low. The minutes are low. Mm-hmm. If you look at it, and I'm not sure how much he's getting deployed. Their third pair is Jack Johnson and Caleb Jones. Like that is pretty much on par with whatever the Canucks are going to trot out for their third pair, right? I mean, is it Gerard is, hurt or something? Uh, yeah, he's on the shelf, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, did, and, I, did I actually put him on a shelf? He's a little guy. <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> he's day-to-day with an injury. Okay. Um, so it's they are very similar teams in terms of roster construction and makeup, To be, uh, if we're looking at it. I mean, I think the one big factor is that the wingers on that top line, especially Rantanen, mm-hmm. um, that's elite. Like Rantanen is a prolific goal scorer, right? He scored 50 last year. I mean, that's a guy that is maybe unparalleled in terms of having a running mate like McKinnon and Rantanen. That's upper class so in the NHL. Here's a text into the Dunbar Lumber text line. I think it's more of a style mismatch for Vancouver. So far, we have really struggled against big, fast, four-checking teams, which is exactly what the abs are. Yeah, and I also think it's hard going into Colorado. Like, if the Canucks are, if there's any fatigue in the team, I know they've had some days off, but if there's any fatigue in the team, you go into Colorado, uh, you're, you know, mile high, and and you got a, you got a Colorado team that is used to playing at that elevation, and they're going to be upset about what happened. I get they, that. They've it's- still got, like, these teams that, these, if you look at these rosters, and, like, I know what you're trying to do here, right? But the abs. What am I st- trying to do? Well, you're trying to compare the, the rosters and say, like, the top-end players are, like, you might even give an advantage to the Canucks in the top-end players at the key positions. Like, the the Canucks have a top-end player at goalie, and, yeah. and, and maybe I think and, both and the teams abs are, don't, right? Both teams have good top-end talent. It's the DNA of the team, though, right? You're, you're looking at Boston, and, and, and they've, they've been without Bergeron, or they, they lost Bergeron, and they, and they lost Krejci, and yet because of the DNA of the team that's still there, mm-hmm. they're still a good team. Colorado's the same way, right? I, like just, two, I don't know if they are, though. Two, they haven't lost. Look at their underlying numbers. They're very impressive. They're, sure. They're, they're a very good team, Okay. So maybe they've had some defensive breakdowns. Maybe they've got a bit of Oilers in them, like defensively or goaltending. The, uh, they're getting those breakdowns. And, may, and maybe yeah. maybe that's where the Canucks can take advantage. I, I hope so. I hope so. I hope maybe they're a little bit leaky. Laddie. Yes, you have. How much more confident are you in a Rick Tockett coached Canucks team beating the Avalanche than you would have been with a Bruce Boudreaux? coached Canucks team. Much more confident. Mm-hmm. I think the Canucks are always more prepared than they have been they had been under Bruce Boudreaux. 
I, I, I'm much more confident. And and this is why maybe this is the maybe this is the game that gets me to actually believe in the Canucks. But I don't think they've been very good the last four or five games. I just don't. Right. Right. Like I don't think like if you let, let's go back. Right. Do you think they were terrific against the Islanders? They weren't terrific against the, the Islanders are a bad team. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they do, they weren't good in Calgary, but we're like, Oh, they're tired. Right. Yep. They were not good against Seattle. They were f- good enough to beat the worst team in the NHL in the San Jose Sharks. But <laughs> don't forget, they were nearly down one, nothing in that game. And they had the gold, uh, they, they won a coach's challenge. Yeah. Right. And then it was the brilliance of Quinn Hughes. Mm-hmm. That helped rescue them, and and then a good uh, PK shift right at the end, and a nice play by Sam Lafferty and Teddy Bluger. Those were were key goals, but they just got past San Jose. That was hardly an oil painting, right? So for their last five games, at least I don't know how far you want to go back. Their last five games, I don't think they've been very good. Yeah, but that's I'm, okay to say that. Yeah, that is right. Yeah. It's fine. If we're and it's a good sign if you're still winning games. In that well, semester. see, that's the key, right? Is that they're still like they're still getting points out of those games. You ebbs and flows of a season. I would look more towards the the Colorado side of things and say, like, if we're talking about the Canucks' last five games and them not being particularly good, go look at Colorado's last eight games because they have not been particularly good. Their their record right now is almost entirely contingent on the fact they started 6-0-0. Since they did that, which was ended way back on October 24th, so basically for a month, they've been a 500 hockey team. They've mixed in wins with losses, and they've had bad losses. Now, here's yeah. the one thing for tonight. Like you were saying, I think it'll be a blowout in favor of Colorado. If we're looking at the betting angle, what you might want to look at tonight, maybe take the over. Because you're talking about uh, a very prolific offensive team in the Canucks. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but they have the three leading scorers in the NHL. The Canucks are definitely winning this one nothing. Yeah, we're, like we're everything that we said wrong. is yeah, it's yeah. It might be zero zero, and then they win in the shootout. Like that's because <laughs> we're we got this whole thing wrong. There were but thirty total shots. Go look at the goal totals in the Colorado games lately. Like the, it is just a goal fest both ways in a lot of them. And sometimes when Colorado doesn't show up. Like in the seven nothing loss to Vegas and the eight two loss to St. Louis, they just surrender a ton of goals. I like this text from Sea Legs, Bruff, You're a real drag, dude. Even though you might be right, come on, dude. It doesn't matter what I think. Like that this, does. Is, no, it doesn't. Like who cares? I just, I think my my gut says I think I think they're due to get smoked. Yeah, there hasn't been one this year, really. A, pro- a proper smoking, the classic blowout. Yeah, yeah just a good old fashioned yeah. ass kicking. I said it. I don't even care. <laughs> like they've um, got, they've got they're dealing with some injuries right now. I think they miss Susie. I think they they miss Suter. You know, I I don't know. I hope I'm wrong. I hope we watch this game and we get to come in tomorrow and say, you know, Bruff, you're wrong again. Yeah. Like I don't feel that way, and I'm not just playing devil's advocate. Like I have no vibes of this is going to be a kicking. Like don't forget, I've been on vacation for a week, so you know, <laughs> just I'm, I'm not exactly in. dialed in. Still <laughs> in camp a little bit. Yeah. 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 Does Joe Sackick still play for the Avalanche? <laughs> no, like I, I think, I think that if there's one, if the gut feeling that I had is that there's going to be a lot of goals on the table tonight, that's the one feeling that I really had going into this was it was like, look at the the under, underlying numbers on Colorado might be, might be great. Mm-hmm. The actual numbers on Colorado are they're not good defensively and they don't have good goaltending. Hey, here's a question for you: yes. If the Canucks had beaten Seattle on Saturday, do you think DeSmith would have got the San Jose game? Maybe give him a bit of a give Demko a bit of a break because I expect Demko to start tonight. Hundred percent. Demko started Monday against San Jose. I expect him to start tonight, and then maybe you go to Smith on Friday, 
and Demco Saturday in San Jose, or you flip those around. Right? I, I you flip those around, but like okay. I I, ju- I was just wondering because I think Demko is going to play two of the next three games, and it's three games in in four nights. I was wondering if DeSmith might get that San Jose game, but I think probably what Tockett was thinking is like, we want to nip this in the bud. We've mm-hmm. lost two in a row. Let's give Demko the start, and let's make sure we beat San Jose. How many starters have the Sharks faced this year? Probably not a lot, right? It's probably a lot of backups they've yeah, been seeing. Like, Who's this guy? Yeah, yeah, I'm surprised they haven't put a player in net against San Jose at one point. Like well, someone just It's like a position court, player right? coming yeah, into yeah, pitch yeah, in baseball. Okay, you know what? Let's well, Demko got the start. Demko got the start the other day. I remember, you were all upset that they didn't challenge the uh, the goal. And, yeah, they and, keep running Demko out against the Sharks. <laughs> yeah. Poor guys. That's what Demko's <laughs> got to eat, man. He gets all those. He gets all the great opportunities against the Sharks. Okay, uh, coming up on the Halford Rough Show on Sportsnet 650. We're more preview for a very big game on the horizon. It's the Canucks and Avs tonight, 7 o'clock from Colorado. Connor McGahee, the play-by-play voice of the Colorado Avalanche, is going to join us next right here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. is Byron. Off the end glass, loose puck. Oh no, shot, save, score. Oh my goodness gracious, I can't believe it. The Predators have taken a 4-3 lead as Alexander Georgiev breaks his stick over the crossbar. on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour two of the program. Connor McGahee, play-by-play voice of the Colorado Avalanche, is going to join us in just a second here. Hour two is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle, you get paid. Visit them. 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. To the phone lines we go. Happy to have our next guest back on the program. Connor McGahee here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Connor. How are you? Good, boys. How are you doing up there today? Uh, we are well. I got to ask you, you've seen a lot of hockey games, no doubt, and you've seen a lot of finishes. Have you ever quite seen one like the one Colorado had on Monday in Nashville? Nope, nope. And uh, it doesn't really happen that often. I think that scenario where a team scores and then wins in the last minute of regulation has only happened 11 times going back to the 1930s. So mm-hmm. I'm old and my soul is old, but, uh, but no, I, <laughs> I, uh, I haven't seen that. That was, that took just weird bounces and, and who knows? I mean, we, I feel like every time we go to Nashville, something like that happens last year, the water main broke. Uh, on American Thanksgiving. <laughs> That's right. I don't know if you guys remember that. And the whole arena flooded, and we just had to have Thanksgiving dinner and Thanksgiving lunch and Thanksgiving breakfast <laughs> the next day at Bar Louie in Nashville because <laughs> it was the only thing that was open. So playing in Nashville is nothing ever goes according according to plan except for a, a sweep in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. That was the, that was right. the outlier. So Connor, can you can you help us get a handle on this team because we can see that their record is pretty good at 11 and 6 and we saw that they got off to a great start with six straight wins and then we're seeing all these blowout losses, 4 nothing to Pittsburgh, 4 nothing to Buffalo, 7 nothing to Vegas, 8-2 to St. Louis. What, what is this team? 
Yeah, I think uh, that's a good question. And I wish I had a great answer for you, but I mean, even, but every, pretty much every single loss has been a bad one. And whether that's a blowout or um, they had Seattle at home about a week and a half ago and it was tied at three and then uh, another last minute goal by Oliver Bjorkstrand who scores against nobody else except the Colorado Avalanche uh, basically takes another point away from Colorado. So uh, nine goals allowed in the last minute of periods this year, which is not great. Um, and nobody has won fewer one-goal games in the NHL this year than the Avalanche, but then again, nobody has won more, three or more goal games this year right. than the Colorado Avalanche. So, yeah, it's the, I wouldn't call it an identity crisis because, I mean, you've got between seven and eight new forwards, depending on call-ups and, and all that. Six, six steady new additions to the forward group. And especially amongst teams that made the playoffs last year, I'm not sure that that kind of turnover has happened to anybody else. So, I, look, and, and, and they've all been great additions. They've, they, literally every single one has contributed. But I, I'm just saying that when you – you have to defend as a five-man group. You do. And it, when you have guys who have played in different systems for so long, they're trying to figure out how the Avalanche want to play hockey mm-hmm. – I mean, sometimes it clicks and sometimes it doesn't. And I, I think historically over the years, November just has not been a great month for Colorado. I think back to the cup year in 2021, and we had a home-and-home with Columbus, um, who then, much like now, was one of the bottom teams in the National Hockey League. And we got blown out at home and then had a lead in Columbus two days later and ended up giving away that lead and losing that game. But the Avalanche applied the lessons uh, in the months, obviously, after that, went on to be um, one of the most dominant teams in recent NHL history. So uh, these these are all guys who know what needs to be done, and I, I would expect the, the lessons learned uh, early on in the season to be applied later in the season. You mentioned uh, all the new faces, specifically at forward, and that uh, includes an entire second line comprised of new players, or at least it has for large chunks of the season. Jonathan Duran, Ryan Johansson, who had his homecoming uh, in Nashville on Monday, and then Thomas Tatar. How has that line looked when it's been put together this season? Well, I mean, that, frankly, that was not supposed to be the second line because, um, remember, we don't have Arturi Lekkinen for an extended period of time. Right. He had that, that scary instance where he went in the corner boards And uh, so, I mean, the second line was probably supposed to be Lekkinen, Johansson, and Valeri Nachushkin. Um, But uh, with injuries to to Lekkinen and and a couple other issues, you've had to basically have two guys in Druin and Tatar who you're either uh, – they're trying to plug them in somewhere, whether it's a first-line winger. Tatar had been playing on the fourth line for a little bit. Um, they've been okay. I mean, Tatar, who will play in his 800th NHL game tonight, by the way, um, he, he's been a great playmaker. Uh, he's got five assists, but still doesn't have any goals yet. Um, you know, last year he's a plus 40 with New Jersey, so defensively he's reliable. Just hasn't been able to, to find the back of the net yet. Druin has only scored one goal, so it's been a little bit of a struggle, to be honest. Um, 
The third line, which is also pretty much brand new, uh, at least two-thirds of it with Miles Wood, Ross Colton, uh, paired with Logan O'Connor, has been exemplary. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been absolutely a terror to play against. And they're fast. Um, Miles Wood hits like a truck. Uh, Ross Colton can do that, too. Ross Colton and Logan O'Connor have fought twice on different teams before, so now it's great that they're line mates, so... Um, frankly, they've been more productive than that uh, sort of pieced together second line for Colorado. But, but like I said, I, you're starting to see moments inside games where there's a little bit more chemistry. But, uh, but yeah, that second line has had uh, a little bit of a, a struggle, especially over the past week and a half. Is Kale McCarr the best player on the team? Um, well, it appears that way sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but then again, you have Miko Rantanen, uh, who just, you know, will st- score timely goals. Uh, he had 55 last year, first 50 goal scorers since Milan Hayduk uh, back in the early 2000s for the Avalanche. Um, and again, we we have this conversation all the time when you're on a team with Nathan McKinnon, who is the the league's highest paid player, um, but but uh, is in the middle of a five game goal drought. Uh, I don't know. I mean. You look at that last play, and Kale McCarr is not going to be happy with it, maybe a little bit nonchalant in that Nashville game, which led to that goal that won. Uh, but but obviously, when you have – I mean, when you're a, a points and assist leader contender pretty much all the time, and you guys know all about that now. That's why this game tonight is more than tantalizing with Hughes and Kale McCarr. Barring any sort of tragedy, that – that should be the Norris race, obviously going yep. uh, going down this year. But but yeah, just the not just the quiet production, but now the fact that because the early knock on Kale McCarr was that he wasn't out there in all situations, right? You know, he was always just five on five and a power play guy. But now he's killing penalties. Um, you know, one of his three assists the other night uh, was a shorthanded variety uh, to Andrew Cogbiano. So I I think. For me, if you had to twist my arm, I might have to say yes, just because uh, of not just what he does, but how he does it and the frequency mm-hmm. of which he does it. How's Bo and Byram doing? He's, Bo's great. He just he just solid as a rock and, and, and so steady, and everyone loves the hell out of him. They really do. I mean, he is just, every time I look around, he's always – He's got one of the best smiles out there. And, you know, between – I guess it's the Vancouver guys who are keeping everybody light because it's Ryan Johansson <laughs> and, and Bo Byram who are uh, making everybody giggle all the time. But uh, Bo Byram, first of all, is healthy, um, which is something that we haven't been able to say, um, again, with much frequency in recent memory. So uh, that's number one priority. He's doing well. And uh, – and I think he's playing well. Um, you know, he's found the score sheet a ton this season, but him and Sam Gerrard, the uh, the two pieces of fruit from the Matt Duchesne trade back in the day, are a deep pair. Uh, at least normally, uh, Sam Gerrard won't play tonight again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the two of them have just been uh, been great together. But uh, it's it's great to see uh, number four out in the lineup every single night. So, what is the general feeling around this team? Do they feel like? Last season, they just they had a lot of things going against them, and you know Vegas in the playoffs, they they played unbelievable and and deserved to to win the Stanley Cup. But is there is there a feeling in Colorado like 
don't forget about us. We're still we're still a pretty good team here. Yeah, I think they got to prove it to themselves first before they can prove it to other people, um, which they can do. I mean the the win in Dallas. We're talking about the Nashville game, but the win in Dallas the other night was beyond impressive because the Stars are an unbelievable team. They have a three nothing lead on Colorado, and the Avalanche score six unanswered to win in Dallas, which which never happens. Um, so that's the kind of team that is that is lying below the surface. That that team is in there, and so they just have to convince themselves that you know, hey, we, we are still one of the best teams in the Western Conference. Uh, one of the paths to the Stanley Cup should go through Denver, and we just have to lock a couple things down to get there. So, I, I, I like I said earlier, I do think that that will happen because. Construction-wise, this team is very solid. You have every single element of what it takes to win a championship in superstars, in goaltending. And once that defensive structure gets figured out, then, then I do believe that the Avalanche will be, um, I, I think, along with you guys, Vegas, and Dallas, the other best teams in the West. Let's ask you about uh, the Denver Broncos just for a bit, if you don't mind. Uh, oh, you guys never do that. No, I I know. Well, it's it's kind of less fun now because they're having some success and Russ is playing half decent. Um, do you think they're going to make the playoffs? Boy, I mean that is it's it's funny because everybody you talk to, we talk about it. This is a playoff team now, and I don't. I I really I couldn't tell you because I mean. The the Broncos and Abs sort of both have Jekyll and Hyde qualities, don't mm-hmm. they? Yeah. Um, but it, it took a little bit for Sean Payton uh, and his his staff to get the messaging to sink in, um, and for Vance Joseph to get the defense figured out because the Avalanche, excuse me, the Avalanche, <laughs> the Broncos have uh, have uh, allowed as many touchdowns in the last six games as they allowed in that one game at Miami yeah. when they when they gave up a 70-burger. So this defense is as good, if not better, than it was last year. And like you said, Russ is playing good enough football to win. Now, the other night when you get <clears throat> three straight turnovers um, from Minnesota, you'd like to see all those be touchdowns, and they, they weren't all touchdowns. So it's sequences like that which lead me to believe that, you know, I'm not sure if they're a playoff team, but the fact that you finally beat the Kansas City Chiefs for the first time since 2015, that helps. Um, you know, you, you, you get that monkey off your back a little bit. You go to Buffalo to win, which is, which is not easy. In prime time, you win another prime time game versus Minnesota, who had been one of the hottest teams in the National Football League. So even if they're not a playoff team, I, I think they're in a spot where they can feel okay with uh, with kind of the direction that they're going, but yeah, I mean the schedule's not bad. I mean after tonight or after this week, beg your pardon, versus Cleveland, you got three straight road games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to go to Houston, the Chargers, and then the Lions. Um, there's a couple wins in there. Uh, maybe not at Detroit, but uh, maybe Houston, maybe L.A. Who knows what they're doing? So. Yeah, the Broncos, uh, it's nice to see them in that one column on the right side of the screen in the hunt for uh, for one for the first time in a long time. But it it must almost it must almost make things a little more complicated because when they were one and yeah. five, it was like blow it up. 
Like, do whatever you have yeah. to do, just blow it up and start again. But then you win four in a row, and Russell Wilson is playing, again, half-decent football. He's certainly not you know, throwing interceptions, throwing some touchdowns. He's not throwing for a ton of yards, but he's playing you know, capable football. Then all of a sudden you're like, well, maybe you don't need to blow it up. Yeah, and I, I think that it doesn't have to be one or the other, right? You don't have to be either a first overall draft pick team or a team that wins the Super Bowl. I think you can be in between and have – I mean, frankly, this this team needed a winning culture. You know what I mean? And just to have a winning culture and know what it takes to get a win in a bunch of different ways, I think that's probably a good thing for a group of guys. You know, um, now it doesn't make your decisions – in the off season, uh, at certain positions, maybe a little bit more tough. Um, you know, it, I'm not even sure at one point, once upon a time, they would consider just taking the $50 million cap hit on, on the quarterback position. I mean, he's played good enough to be in there and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bench him. And you, you, you frankly need that money to, to spend elsewhere. You know, you can't just be, you know, have this anchor tied, um, to your wrist, but, yeah, I, I think that it's it's a good problem to have, and I think that middle ground is totally acceptable. And and frankly, it, it had been a losing culture for almost a decade around here. And I think to get uh, some wins uh, back in there is a, is a good thing for the organization, for the city. Connor, this was great, man. Thanks for taking the time to do this today. We really appreciate it. Have a good call tonight, and enjoy the Hughes v. McCarr matchup. Should be a good one. I shall, fellas. Thanks for calling. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks, Connor. Thanks, Connor. That's Connor McGahee, the play-by-play voice of the Colorado Avalanche for Altitude TV. He'll be on the call tonight, 7 o'clock from Denver. It is the Colorado Avalanche and the Vancouver Canucks in the marquee game of the night. That's what I'm saying. Marquee game of the night. I'm going to take the over. Six and a half is the line on this one. I think there's going to be a lot of goals in this one tonight. Bruff thinks the Canucks are going to get blown out in Denver. House of negativity, eh? I mean, I push back. And then Sonny texted in to the Dunbar Lumber text line. And he's like, you watch. The Canucks are going to stuff it in both your guys' faces. To which I responded, they can stuff it in Brust's face. I got nothing to do with this. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be... You think it's going to be a competitive game? Close yeah, game. I think it's going to be a high-scoring competitive affair. I think it's going to be a low event, 2 nothing with an empty netter. Four? The Canucks. Yeah, there's Homer Laddie. I like it. <laughs> I think it's going to be 17 to 4 for Colorado. Yeah, I was going to say 18 to 4, but yeah. 17 is close. Price is right, or are we- <laughs> yeah. Um, you know the other game I'm kind of curious to watch. What's that one? Columbus and Chicago, just to see what happens with Patrick Line. Well, that's also the Connor well, yeah. Bedard versus Adam Fantilli matchup. But yeah, mm. so Line, yes, oh, Connor Bedard. So yesterday. You know what? Um, a brief <laughs> aside between Bedard and Wemby. It, we've kind of lost that like zest that we had. That's what I mean. Yeah, must watch TV. It kind yeah. of went. I, Wemby struggled because you kind of see. All right, you're like, all right. Well, yep. You we see you have potential, but your team stinks. Yeah. So I don't really want to watch. Did you see Bedard's quote from the other day? No. He said, uh, "I just I don't have audio of it." But he said uh, he was going over his last few games. Nashville was all right. I thought I kind of sucked against Buffalo. We've got to get some more wins here. I think he's a little more candid than Connor McDavid ever was. Oh, yeah, or 100%. Like, he's, he's got a better sense yeah. of humor. When, when I hear people say that Bedard is boring like McDavid was, I'm like, are you yeah, Who are you listening to? Yeah. He's, he's like, got so much more first personality. Of, first of all, he's 18. So, and he's I think he's he's actually quite thoughtful. P- 
people will be like, oh, Connor McDavid, like what a product of the the boring plaid NHL where they don't say anything interesting. The plaid NHL? Yeah, yeah. Like I think I meant it in a different way than yeah, it came I, out. I think you did. Connor, anyway. The plaid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. anyway. There was a point. To be, there was a point. There was a point to be made here, but um, but, but so McDavid is just a boring person, and McDavid, Bedard McDavid, actually McDavid, has McDavid's a boring person. Yeah, it yeah. didn't matter if whatever sport or whatever career Connor McDavid got into, he was probably going to be a boring individual whilst doing it. Right. That was kind of my point. Um, Bedard, I think, is got, and I don't know if this is his personality. Maybe he's a little bit more media savvy because he had the crush of it going through uh, Western Hockey League and Regina and everything, but mm-hmm. he's much more engaging and his answers are funny. And like the one where he was talking about, oh, like one of the things he did during his rookie year was like learning how to cook. And then someone asked him and he's like, I don't know. I just made that up. Like, I, don't, <laughs> I wasn't cooking. I just made that up because I just wanted to tell you guys something. Like that's yeah. funny. That's a good approach to take. McDavid is a boring individual. Yeah, you can tell when you will. Like, well, when he talks, like, who knows what he's like? Like everyone's like Connor. Scenes. Connor McDavid is guarded. I'm like, I don't think he's guarding anything. I don't think there's a lot going on there. I think he's a very boring individual. He's Al Gore behind the scenes. You know, Mr. McDavid. Somebody bought a finally bought a copy of your book. Yes, they did. <laughs> no, this I, calls for a celebration. <laughs> How did we get onto this conversation? Oh, because uh, I was talking about Patrick Line. Patrick Line after being healthy scratch as he pops up on one of the TVs in studio. So he yeah. spoke. He spoke out really bluntly and candidly about the healthy scratch. You yeah. could tell he was not happy about it. No, and he wasn't taking it as like, well, I'll learn from this and be a better oh, person. He, was he seemed broken. He's like, he seemed like he was. Yeah, embarrassed is a good good way to well, say it. He said it was, embar- it was the most embarrassing yeah. thing that's ever happened in my career. But also pissed Getting off. Getting healthy at- scratch for the Columbus Blue yeah. Jackets. But also pissed off at his coach. Oh, like, yeah. He made that very clear. Mm-hmm. He disagreed with it 100%. And he kept saying. Imagine if Pascal Vincent is like way more um, like mentally, cha- mentally uh, <laughs> uh, like abusive than Mike Papcock. <laughs> I was going to say mentally challenging. I know. I hope you But are. I didn't want to say like abusive because that's like Sometimes, maybe taking it too it's far. It's nice of a, a co broadcaster not to point out those moments and just to move on. Yeah. Unlike Plaid. But um, <laughs> here's where we're at with Patrick Laine and this situation is we had Aaron Portsline on the show. Pascal the other Vincent day. doesn't have a very plaid personality, no, maybe. It's too colorful. <laughs> Pascal Vincent, uh, Aaron Portsline came on the show yesterday and said he's a hardliner. Like he's yeah. a, he's a no nonsense tough guy. And they've given him mm-hmm. the leash, I guess, to go and make these kind of decisions, which you normally wouldn't give to a guy that you kind of hired at the last minute because you had a coaching issue and he was the best next guy available. Like Vincent's come in and uh, he, you know, they demoted Ken Johnson to the minors. He stapled guys to the bench. He benched Johnny Gaudreau, right, prior yeah. to making Patrick Line a healthy scratch. And they're kind of saying, well, yeah, you, if, you, if you feel this is the direction you need to go with this team – Take it. The issue is, is Patrick Line is like, I'm not getting benched by Pascal Vincent. Like, all due respect to this guy. But, yeah, but he is. But he said, I, if I'm going to work my way out of this, I need to be in the lineup. He said, I can't be. In have the you press- ever watched? Have you watched Line play in the last couple of years? I am never impressed. He's got some dog elements to totally. not and not the good dog D A W G. He's like D O G, right? Everyone knows watching the difference him play. Those two like, dogs, right? he, he looks like he's got like heavy legs and everything. It just doesn't look. He looks disengaged, is how I would put it. Like he's not all that interested in yeah. contributing to you know winning hockey games. He misses mm-hmm. Winnipeg. Clearly, that's what it is. It's crazy. But you know the what I mean? Like, arc though, there. But yeah, his first few years in Winnipeg, he had like so much. 
like it, it, energy. It was like a different player. So much energy to his game, and now yeah. you watch him play, you're just kind of like it looks. It looks hard for him to be out oh, there. Oh, we there was many a person, an NHL pundit, that thought he was the second coming of Ovechkin after that rookie year. Well, in Winnipeg, you're he like had, he's Solani. He right? went 36, 44 in his first two years mm-hmm. in the NHL, and that was when it was still pretty darn hard to score. He was the runner-up for the Calder in his first year. In the second year, he was borderline like all first-team NHL. Scored four in a game here in Vancouver. He was a sniper. He was the next mm-hmm. great sniper in the league. Mm-hmm. So all of the... And people now have got this revisionist history. Like, he never sh- should have gone so high in the draft. I'm like, are you kidding me? Uh, <laughs> in his <laughs> first two years... He was always dangerous whenever he was on the ice. He was a snipe years. show. And yeah. now I don't know what he is. He's a shell of his former self. What were the big three that It was Austin Matthews, Patrick Laine, and Puglia right? In that draft class. Yeah. Puglia was the guy that was like, ooh, that's a mistake. Right. And, and now everyone's trying to do this revisionist history that was both the Finnish guys. But it was not. Patrick Lyon, in his first two years in the league, scored 80 goals. 80 goals in his first two years in the league. Like Not a lot of guys can come in and do that. Okay, uh, coming up on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650, it's the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, Alan Shipnuck is going to get... Yeah, yeah, y'all heard it. I said 8 o'clock. <laughs> well, you sure did there. Okay? You didn't have to go back and steamroll over I it. I did, though. You decided to. I did, though. You made the choice. I did, though. Which we were it's all hoping you would. It's supposed to be 8 o'clock. Don't but say it You don't again. need to do it again. Eight o'clock. Alan Shipnuck is going to join us on the program. Uh, he is the author of the new book, Live and Let Die, the inside story of the war between the PGA Tour and Live Golf. If you want to download any hour of the Halford and Bruff show, I highly recommend hour two. <laughs> what hour is that? That's the hour that just passed. Well, which hour is it? Though? That's the hour where I said that Connor McDavid had a plaid. I repeat plaid personality. What is the name of the hour, though? Um, Jason Bruff wondered if allowed if Pascal Vincent was more mentally challenged than Mike Babcock. Did and you mean to do meant did you meant did you mean to say like stayed? No, I meant to say like a like dour, that means like, that means like sedate. No, I meant it I meant to say like a very like boring pattern on a shirt so I went with plaid. It's Which like is like the least shirt. boring pattern. And then I thought it's about like it and very, I was like it's actually it's got a busy one. it's a cross patterns it's very, very elaborate. I think we I think we should go to break. <laughs> Alan Shipnock coming up next on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet six fifty.